Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
the Human Solution International, not Human Solutions, not other things that people like to call us. Um, we've been called this for about nine years now, and uh, that's that's our name. We have a website that is thsintl.org, and I'd love to have you join us over there and uh, take advantage of some of the resources that we have. We'll be talking a little bit about that uh, as we get further on into the show. Um, we're a civil rights organization. We're not a cannabis organization. We're uh, dedicated to civil liberties, personal liberties, human liberties, and it just so happens that prohibition violates so many of them in so many different ways that we've chosen ending prohibition as a specific goal. Um, the nature of this organization is grassroots. We're non-funded. Um, we don't have a sugar daddy that's paying for things. We're a bunch of people that care, care enough to volunteer our time. As with most organizations, there's a hardcore uh, leadership group that's very small and um, a number of <coughs> active members that's significantly larger, and then a number of supporters outside of that that's larger yet. Um, we're not a magic button that you can push if you want to get a thousand people to show up for court. <coughs> we're not um, a magical way to create a, a jury nullification outcome of your case. What we are is a group of people that has a tremendous amount of experience, uh, both as patients, as um, citizens, as defendants, as prisoners, as people that have uh, stood their ground and fought for their own rights as well as the rights of others. And if you want to be a part of that and you have the heart for it, I recommend that you find us and um, you know reach out and become a member, become a part of this. This is not the kind of group that you just pay your dues and, you know, I mean, sure, you can. You can pay your dues and be a member. But what people reach out to us for are the people that really live and breathe this, um, the dedicated few, the, the A-team, the, the leaders, the coordinators, those people that have decided that it's important enough uh to work towards ending prohibition at whatever the cost, at whatever the price, at whatever the length of time, whatever the sacrifice, um, we're marching towards our goal. And passing a law that allows some people to do some things is what most people do. Join a, join a group, sign a petition, sign a, sign a um, you know, vote. Hey, we recommend that, please, of course. Participate every way you can. But if you want to get down in the trenches, if you want to be where the blood is being spilled, if you want to be the tip of that spear, if you want to be the leading edge of this, it doesn't happen in the legislation. It happens in the courtrooms. It happens on the streets. It happens where the decisions get made that affect people's freedoms. 
The laws only count when the judges follow them. The laws only count when law enforcement decides to follow them. Laws only count when they're written correctly. Every single legalization measure that's out in the United States, Canada, and everywhere else that I know that does not completely decriminalize this plant is flawed. And every single place that we've passed a law that allows for some limited use or some recreational or medical uh, allowance is flawed, and flawed so much so that people are still getting arrested, charged, and, yea, even convicted of crimes that are con specifically connected to this plant. That's what we're here to stop. Um, this is a tough time of year for me and for a lot of people, and I'm going to briefly get into it. Then we're going to bring up our first guest, actually our one guest. Uh, we have a number of uh, chapter coordinators that are going to be calling in, hopefully, and we're going to get down to some business. And um, But we've got Richard Kudra, um, who's going to talk to us about an accomplishment he made up in uh, the Great White North, and he's got himself a, uh, a license to, uh, a, a, well, he's going to explain to us what he's done. I don't specifically understand it, but he was, uh, sounds like he's made some great inroads, and he has a plan to teach us how to do what he's done, and he's going to teach us that very soon. Um, but I want to talk about why this is a tough time of year for me and for a lot of folks. This is a holiday time, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or the winter solstice or whatever it is that you celebrate, this is a time of year that most people recognize as a special time of year. And this is a time of year that not everybody gets to celebrate it. There are people who don't have freedoms. There are people that um, have lost everything because of prohibition, people that are locked up right now. Um, in 2009... When the human solution began, I was arrested um, in December, and today's date in 2009, I was uh, facing seven felony charges in Riverside and for something that was supposed to be allowed by the law. And then in 2010, I had just beaten that case in November, so it took me 11 months, and I finally beat it. And in December of 2010, I was raided, and it all started over again, only this time I'd lost everything. Um, in 2011, I was sitting in the middle of a trial. I was actually at the end of a trial. The jury had gotten the, the closing arguments. The jury had the case. So in 2011... On today's date, I was waiting for a jury to determine my fate. Ultimately, that jury found me guilty of 12 felony counts of selling a plant. Um, ultimately, I beat that, but that was many years later and, and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears later. 2012, on this date, I was in custody uh, actually, it was the day before I was released. Tomorrow in 2012 was the day I was released after about six weeks of being locked up in the Twin Towers Men's Central in Los Angeles, one of the worst uh, county jails there is in the country. Um, 
since that time, I've been fortunate. Well, no, the year after that, 2013, actually, uh, they were going to violate my bond. The whole time for this six years, I've been on bail. And if you don't understand what bail is about, it means you don't have any rights. Uh, bail means that you are out of custody. Custody means locked up in jail or prison. So in order to not be locked up, you have surrendered um, all of your rights and you have given up a chunk of money as a bond that says you're not going to commit any more crimes. And while you're out, you are held on a tight leash, a leash so tight that a judge for any reason can revoke your bond. He can just simply decide that you are a flight risk and you should be sent back to jail. And he, they do that sometimes. And so in 2013, um, my bond had gone over a year, and the bond company had decided that they wanted me to renew it, and they were asking me to come up with another $20,000, which, of course, I didn't have. Um, and literally, um, I believe it was today or tomorrow on that date, we had a hearing, and the judge said basically, well, you can either surrender now or you can surrender uh, I think it was the day before or the day after Christmas. And an angel came up and saved my ass and put the money down and kept me out that time. But these years that have gone by, uh, you don't forget that stuff. Uh, Craig Cecil's liable to call in today and in the next few minutes from federal prison where he's serving a life term. LWAP, life without possibility of parole, is his characterization. And his crime is a cannabis crime. No victim, no rape, no gross bodily injury, no breaking and entering, no, no action whatsoever that caused anybody harm. I've sat in courtrooms all over the country. I've sat in courtrooms, uh, numerous, many, many courtrooms. And I've sat in sentencing hearings. And I've sat in sentencing hearings both for people I was supporting that were cannabis cases. And I sat in sentencing hearings waiting for those cases to happen where there were actually victims. And when you sit in a sentencing hearing, the trial has been over or there's been a plea deal reached. And this is the part where the judge decides, ultimately, what is your punishment? And the judge works off of a, a guideline that has what they call a high, mid-range, mid, mid and low term that would have to do with the mandatory minimums or um, any guidelines surrounding a sentence. And at a sentencing hearing, um, typically the, um, there's been reports that were filed. So the prosecution files a report, uh, the probation department files a report, and the defense files a report. And these reports are their recommendation for sentencing. Typically the prosecution recommends the high sentence. Uh, the probation department, depending on the individual, will recommend a sentence, and it's usually either the high or the mid-range sentence. 
And, of course, the defense will typically recommend the low sentence or below the low sentence if there's no mandatory. And then the judge will sometimes allow there to be um, people to speak out on behalf of the defendant. And this is the time where we're typically we'll call in for letter writing campaign. And this is the time where a character reference letter actually matters. Uh, people that are writing character reference letters in the middle of a pretrial are typically wasting their time because the judge won't look at them. They pretty much can't. They're not supposed to be influenced by outside influences prior to trial. But if you are convicted, that's where you have a voice that says, hey, whatever this guy did or he was convicted of doing, whether the circumstances are, I know this guy. And whether he made a mistake or whether this is a, a, a problem that the law hasn't figured out yet, I know this guy and this guy has character that would make it so that he should not be put in prison. And you have that opportunity to do that. And in some cases, the judge will allow there to be uh, people to come up and speak on behalf of the defendant. Typically, the judge will allow the defendant to speak. And then when that's done, the judge will allow the victims and the victim's family to come forth. And I have seen cases where the victims and the victim's family have come forth. And I've seen cases where there was a violent uh, assault and rape. And when the victim's family came forth, it was the most compelling part of this sentencing hearing. Uh, they... they the, the victim herself came forward and, and described the horrors of what happened and how it affected her and her family. And members of the family came forth, and even members of this guy's family came forward, and they all talked about how this crime had affected this family and the community in a negative way, so much so that this guy needed to be punished. Now, I have sat in a dozen or more, probably 20 or more sentencing hearings for cannabis. And in all of those cases, both federal and state, family court, you name it, every kind of court there is, I've sat in a sentencing hearing. And in no case, not one time ever, has the judge said the victim or the victim's family can speak. In fact, the judge has always recognized that there was no victim and no victim's family. So this is the thing I have to say to all of you who are hung up on the law. And the people that I've been hearing as more and more of these cases come up in legal places and the people get up on their little high horses and they wag their little fingers and they say, well, if he was following the law, none of this would be happening. If there is no victim, and there is no victim's family, how in the fuck do you think that somebody deserves to go to prison? I want to hear your logic. Because that's not what prisons were made for. Prisons were made not only to punish and to supposedly rehabilitate, but prisons are made to protect society from dangers and dangerous people. And if you don't have a victim... And if you don't have a victim's family, 
And what the hell does that person need to be in prison for? If you violate a code, you don't go to prison. If you violate a tax law, you typically don't go to prison unless it's pretty horrendous. If you violate some sort of a, of a you know mandate with your city zoning or whatever it is, a cease and desist, you don't go to prison. You might get a fine. You might get some community service. You might get some type of, of reprimand, some type of, of, of uh, issue that you've got to fix, but you're not going to go to prison unless you are in contempt of court, which the judge has all kinds of power there. But that's what we're dealing with, folks. We're dealing with laws that put people in prison that have no victims and no victims' crime. And if you think that that's okay, please call in the show and explain to me why and explain to me how. I've, I've pulled a lot away from Facebook because we've got a lot of people that love to go and type away their little reasons and their little answers. But not one of them ever has come on this show to actually have a conversation with me or anybody else tell me what their logic is. So I'm pretty serious about this, as I have been locked up for a victimless crime before four times now, and I wasn't too tickled about it. I wouldn't be too tickled about it again if it happened again. So that's what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, we're going to get to our first guest. But first of all, I want to let you all know you are on the coffee party and the Coffee Party Radio Network. And if you wish to call in this show and have a conversation or if you have a question for the guest or myself or just have something you want to say, all you got to do is dial 646-929-2495. And we have the amazing non-compliant Mary screening calls today, and she will ask you a couple of questions and let me know after your questions are what this is about. And if you want to call in and listen uh, because you don't have a good Internet signal or whatnot, feel free. We welcome you to come in and listen. Um, the Blog Talk Radio uh, uh, link is posted around Facebook, and there's two live streams going on right now, one to the left of me and one to the right of me. And please, we welcome you to come and join us on this as well. Um, before we get to our guests, I've got a couple of updates, and I've got a I've got an issue here with my hardware. The phone that I have may not last, and if it doesn't last, I'll try to call in with my cell, but we don't get the best of signal through that. So um, if we get cut off, um, I apologize. I'd uh, like to welcome Dr. Denise Canton, who uh, renewed her membership as a sponsor member. And... Uh, Dr. Denise Canton is an amazing woman. She's moved to Massachusetts to uh, take care of her mom, but she was uh, up in Northern California writing recommendations and supporting people, and she has a great understanding of the value of this plant, and she supports it with her time, with her testimony. She could be an expert witness if needed, and, um, you know, she's a practitioner. She's an osteopath. She heals people with all types of medicine, including the natural forms. And so uh, we are just very grateful to have Dr. Denise as part of this. We also have three new chapters um, that are brewing right now. Two of them have been chartered. The third is about to be chartered. And the first one is the Big Island Hawaii Court Support 
chapter, and uh, we've got some chapter charters that are about to be filled out and uh, sent off. And then second, so obviously that's from Hawaii, the second is the Creative Care Beacon chapter. This is from Ohio, um, and that chapter has just been chartered. And the third chapter, which is from New York, the Solidarity Over Separation chapter, uh, that's Pete and Helen Yapel, and they are going to be uh, chartered very soon. Here's Craig Cecil going to be joining us real quick, and then we're going to get to our guest. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. Let's call it from Craig Cecil. Hello, this is Craig Cecil. Please call us being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up and decline the call. Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Welcome from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> well, you make it sound like such an inviting place. It's cutting from what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only a city of 60,000 people, so. <laughs> well, and how many of them are happy? Probably not many. <laughs> probably not many, yeah, yeah. Having a couple of federal prisons as probably one of your main sources of livelihood doesn't make for, you know, the, uh, the the Norman Rockwell type of town. Uh, it, it tends to bring out maybe less than the best of everybody. Yes, it's along the Wabash River, uh, a tributary to the Mississippi. And, uh, but as all river towns, you know, they don't have the business maintaining the marshes and the coal and all that as they once did, so they're kind of depressed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, Craig, I, I want to thank you for uh, the Christmas card you sent. Um, we were just talking about this time of year and how I, I went through a little litany of all the times. that happened every time I've been locked up. It's been about this time of year for some reason. They like to get me at Christmas time for some reason. But um, and, and it wasn't certainly about me, but it was about all the people that uh, rather than, you know, being able to spend time with your family and loved ones and doing the things that uh, so many people look forward to doing, we've got a whole gang of folks that are, that are languishing behind bars. Uh, and we were, I talked specifically about, about crimes and sentencing hearings and victims and victims' families and the fact that there aren't any of those in these type of, of cases and how wrong it is. And we talked a little bit about laws and how how fucked up these laws are that allow still there to be a place for people to be locked up no matter what, whether they have five plants or ten plants or a thousand plants. It doesn't matter how many plants you have. You can't have a victim just from having plants. And that was one of the, you know, the things that we brought up. We had a guy... Uh, that just got convicted of, uh, I believe, three counts in Northern California in a state case. There were misdemeanors, apparently, but nonetheless, he got convicted by a jury And uh, in California, where it's so-called legal. And uh, he's going to be talking to us a little bit later. So um, what's what's going on with you right now? Are you going to be able to see your daughter, or um, what's, what's, what's going on? Oh, I have some great news on that front, and that my daughter and uh, uh, her boyfriend came to visit me last Sunday, which to a prisoner is about the best thing that can happen. Oh, that's fantastic. I, You know, I, I see pictures of her. I haven't talked to her in a little while, but I, I see pictures of her from time to time, and uh, 
you know, she's she's a lovely thing, and I, I'm just really glad that you're able to at least see her from time to time. I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like, uh, you know, to be limited like that. And so I'm just uh, I'm, I'm glad that was able to happen. Now, they were even able to enjoy a, uh, a funny little prank of sorts, I guess, <laughs> that they enjoyed, and I especially enjoyed, is in the vending machine, they found some White Castle burgers. I don't know if you know what those are out by you. Yeah, yeah, you can get them. They're like these little uh, sliders, little mini mini hamburgers. That's exactly what they are. They're the sliders in the little, in the little white boxes. And uh, they found some in the vending machine, and... Michael waved them for me, and that was something that I previously enjoyed on the street, and I enjoyed feeding to the kids when they were little, and uh, so it was really a treat to me to have a slider. <laughs> hey, that's great. What Now, how was it that they happened to be in there? How long they what? How was it that they happened to be in there? Oh, uh, I don't know. Somehow, the, whoever fills the vending machines in the visiting room, which is actually a... Uh, part of some police retirement fund. The money from those machines, believe it or not, goes to uh, Bureau of Prison Guards uh, Retirement Fund. So somehow, they had come up with White Castle burgers and put them in the vending machine. <laughs> because why the hell not? Why shouldn't everything you do support law enforcement, right? Oh, yeah. Of course, it's, uh, you know, it, it's overpriced because, you know, when you're Coming to see your uh, family member in the visiting room, you don't have any choice where you get a drink from or, you know, a candy bar or anything of that sort. So it's extremely overpriced. Uh, a hamburger in that machine, I think, is something like $4.50. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it's just the, just the best uh, the best quality Kobe beef in those things, huh? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what? But, uh, then they add insult to injury is that you're the money goes towards the guards that, you know, get the visitors uh, at least as bad as they treat them. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's a it's 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 not a fair place we live in, that's for sure. And you know, we're out here pounding away trying to make change. In fact, I wanted to share with you, we've got three new chapters that are forming of the Human Solution. We got one in Hawaii. And we got one in Ohio and one in New York. And uh, so we're finally getting some uh, some East Coast and clearly as far West Coast as you could be in America um, is is Hawaii. So we're, uh, we're back on a pattern of growth, and we've got some really uh, committed um, warriors that, that, are, that are taking the helm of these chapters. And so we're starting to... Uh, you know, put some time into growth again, and you know, one of the one of the chapters is, of course, founded by a case, which unfortunately is where so many of our chapters have come from. The one from Ohio, but the other two are are just people that uh, care enough about ending prohibition that they're willing to uh, volunteer their time and to making making it happen. And and to me, that's that's in some ways our most powerful chapters because. We're not, you know, fighting for our life to exist in those cases. We're able to be a little proactive. Oh, and like I said, the, I, I believe the climate for uh, ending prohibition is, 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 you know, really gaining 
in gaining in uh, in favor here because as you know, the, the Congress spoke fairly weakly about two or three years ago with uh, one of your California representatives. I believe his name is Orahar or something like that. Dina Rohrbacher. But it was that's it. And uh, that contributed to the amendment that uh, that the federal law enforcement money cannot be used to prosecute let's call it from a federal prison. People that are complying with state law. And uh, now would they still prosecute people in the states where marijuana and recreational marijuana are illegal. But they they at least have to figure out something first of all to say that they're not operating legally under the laws of the state where they're located. So, I mean, it, it, but it's at least Congress saying we don't want to lose the money, you know, uh, prosecuting people for marijuana. I mean, it, it just doesn't go enough. Well, it, it definitely gives us uh, uh, some ground to stand on. You know, we have cases popping up in, in Kansas and Oklahoma where there really isn't any any defensible position other than uh, medical necessity or something like that. But in, in a state like California or Colorado where we have cases right now, um, it's harder for those prosecutors, uh, number one, to find a jury willing to convict. Number two, um, they've got to determine that somehow outside of the law um, these activities happen, and so far, so much so that... Um, you know, it, it, it committed a crime. And it's getting harder and harder for that to happen, but it's still happening. We have a, a guy, you know, again, that got def got convicted today in California. Um, and, uh, you know, I keep hearing case after case where there, there, there seems to be less sentencing that are putting people in prison, but it's not over by any means. And people are they're gearing up now to do big um, uh, asset forfeiture, and and they're using the in in the legal states they're going after the drivers, and cannabis isn't like alcohol where if you have a certain amount of alcohol in your system it pretty much directly corresponds to a level of impairment, whereas cannabis you can have large amount of cannabis metabolites in your system, and in many cases it has nothing to do with your impairment it's just the amount that you're able to carry in your system. And that's one of the things they're starting to go after our drivers now. And it's just, you know, they're, they're, their game is weakening and ours is strengthening, that's for sure. And like I, I, I'm sure that the public sentiment, you know, going that direction can't be missed in the uh, in congressman in Washington, D.C. I mean, especially when they come from Colorado and California and Oregon and Alaska and all these states that have spoken as to how the people feel about marijuana. So, I mean, I think they have a hard time standing up in front of Congress and saying that, you know, no, we need to criminalize this, no, we need to spend, as they have with me, well over a million dollars altogether to take me from a, a profitable taxpaying business with employees to put me in prison and spend, you know, Somewhere over, at this point, over a million dollars of the taxpayers' money. I mean, what benefit has the taxpayers, what benefit has the Americans received for all that money that's been spent? Well, you want to hear a funny one. Um, they spent over $4.5 million trying to lock me up. 
and I, I was able to document that much. Um, it, it, we tried to get Freedom of Information Act, uh, you know, to back up some of the stuff, which, of course, they, they didn't comply with. But we were over six years of them trying to prosecute me, and, you know, all the, I mean, you know, they had 150 law enforcement agents in, involved in my raids, um, and they just kept spending money like crazy. Over 200 court appearances I'd spent. And, you know, all each time you're doing it, you got the bailiffs and the judges and the, uh, you know, the, all the costs of that court to be there. And not to, not, not to mention the prosecutor and, and their assistants and all of that, we actually laid out a, a spreadsheet of the monies that they spent that we could document, and they spent over $4.5 million on my case. And at the end, they walked away and lost. And, you know, even if they did lock you up, I mean, who would they have saved? Who would they have <laughs> <laughs> And then could I look at, they spent a million dollars to prosecute me from Chicago, right. yet they have over 600 this year, a majority of which are, are you know, not solved and not even investigated because the recharges are going after people like me. It exactly. doesn't figure. Exactly. And, and, and that's such a, such a salient point. You know, every single person that, that was victimized by
Or you can actually call me on Christmas Day on this number. Nope, lost it. God damn it. Sorry, folks. Pisses me off every single time this happens. Craig gets 15 minutes, and, um, you know, it, it shuts off sometimes, and he doesn't get to finish his thought. Um, all right, well, we're going to jump right into our guests. Um, again, I've got limited uh, charge on my phone. If my phone cuts out, I'm going to try to call back in with my cell. Hopefully it will have a good enough signal, but um, it will be less than rather than better than. So I apologize for that. Um, so we got Richard Kudra from the Great White North. Hello. Richard, you are live here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, I've been listening, and um, I must say Merry Christmas to the previous caller, yourself and that lady who answered the phone. Well, you know, Can we you got hear a, me over? a little team here, and, um, you know, we got we got a fight worth fighting, so... Um, I'd like to get into your situation. Tell me about this uh, this discovery that you've made, and, 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 you know, why don't you tell us your story? Okay. My story is, is I'm a, a guy who's using a lot of assistive aids, you know, the canes, the walkers, the wheelchair, so getting around isn't all that easy. So mine was out of necessity that I, I had to find out how to be able to keep mobile in my vehicle and whatnot there. So um, back uh, right around the same time that you guys started up, uh, I guess 2009 or something like that, um, I had uh, come up with the idea of I, I better get tested here, you know, and whatnot there, and I put it off, put it off, and found a program that an occupational therapist would come out and, you know, check the home and whatnot like they do. And, um, you know, we went over many things, and one of them was the driving, and, you know, she pre-cleared me that day, and that was uh, that was probably 2012, I think, or something like that. It was a long time ago. Uh, and there was some time that went in before my need was there, you know, um, because uh, after you do something, then you find out it. it's like, oh, this takes care of that need and that need over there, too. And with cannabis, it's kind of funny because uh, it just seems to one empowerment just does another empowerment. It, it, it It's kind of... Uh, it's kind of funny uh, for myself, anyways, that I've I found it that way, that, you know, we get an empowerment out of it. Anyways, so I did the uh, simple short of it. I did a, a medical road test so that I could uh, drive and uh, have the cannabis in my system and um, know that my dose was properly titrated and it's a stable dose and uh, uh you know i went in and um did the proper things about that now i'm a little bit more ahead of this than my doctor is though he, he hasn't been boned up on this whole thing there so you know when i say uh, we went in there well he signed for me that's the main thing is that a doctor must sign for you first i believe to you know, to take a lot of the pressure off because uh, 
part of our road safety standards here in BC, which I might mention to everything that I see here. It uh, it goes where I can drive, where my license and insurance are valid, and that includes down there in the States too. So what I do encourage is that everybody look to their manuals in their local state, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to repost on my Facebook page, Richard Kudra, K-U-D-R-A. I'm going to repost a, a thread that I've been building on. And what I need is from whatever state that you're at, if you happen to run across a similar guide um, to the one that we have, which is the the 2016 Canadian Council of Motor Transport Administrators, CCMTA, Medical Standards for Drivers with BC-Specific Guidelines, 2016 BC Guide. And in that guide, in section 15.61, it talks about... uh, you know, people who are uh, specifically uh, uh, using cannabis um, for their medication, and um, I, I read, I read it about it after I went in and did it, and I sure wish that I had had something like this to um, to go into it with. So I had to go in blind. So I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, it seems that all of us know that we're, heck, it makes us into a better driver, you know. So, I mean, I've always felt that. Um, so I looked in my guide and under um, 15.6.1 medication prescribed all drivers. is everybody. Um, this standard applies to prescribed medication, including psychotropic drugs and prescribed medical marijuana and it it goes you know the doctor blah 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 uh reassessment no reassessment other than routine commercial or age-related reassessment is required in other words if my dosage of cannabis goes goes up or changes or whatever there because i was um, tested on decarboxylated uh, THC, but I, I did have a lot of non-heated-up uh, cannabis in my system from my smoothies that I had also. Um, but uh, it, it comes down to if you change something, if you start taking opioids or something that'll screw you up, well, you got to go in and get retested. So, you know, it keeps us from hanging on our systems here too, eh? So... Anyways, they they do have a rationale that's very important. I I think to that was my kind of a boom shiva moment here. It was the use of a psychotropic drug does not mean that a driver is ineligible for a license. Although, mind you, it carries on and says 
where there is some evidence of a persistent cognitive impairment associated, associated with the stable use of a drug, an individual assessment of the effect of the drug is required to determine license eligibility. And then I thought, wow, I'm just great. Okay, wow, I'm covered. You know, the test I did, it's great, you know. And then I, that that lasted like for two days, and I didn't even look at the guide again. Then I opened it up, and I thought, oh, what's going on here? 15.262 non-prescribed over-the-counter all drivers. Same rationale. So if you're taking, if you're wise enough to know that you have an endocannabinoid system for your preventative health measures, uh, you know, you can get that type of information from the Canadian Consortium for the Investigation of Cannabinoids. Um, Join, tell them Dr. Kudra sent you. But, uh, you know, you'll find out that uh, everything that I'm, putting here it's it's all a fact so um we all have an endocannabinoid system and most of our sicknesses are caused by a lack of cannabinoids within our body but to get back to this driving i um i i i just i lucked out when she phoned i i happened to have enough medication in me to have the forethought to uh, you know, hello, Mr. Kudra. Uh, uh, my name is, I didn't even, I don't even think I let her blurt her name out. I knew right away that it was the superintendent of motor vehicles office. And I says, oh, you must be calling about my test for my cannabis trichome therapy uh, standard road test to make sure I'm driving carefully now that my doctor and I have figured out a stable dose and feel comfortable with me doing the test. And I just kind of left it hanging in the air and caught her off guard. Um, that was all part of how I went about doing it uh, was you know, kind of using words that maybe they they weren't thinking of as driver testers. This is a medical thing, and I'm not interested in the plant. I'm interested in the trichome. Uh, in the it, the plant is the messenger, and the trichome is the message. Kurt Tusaw happened to say that in court in Victoria during the Smith trial that allows a dispensary to be in Canada. Um, he, he said that to the judge, and then he says, it's like a golf ball. Well, I mean, you tell a doctor or a judge, hey, it's like the golf ball, not the fairway. You know, they're going to understand these things, and I really like, you know, that rationale, that metaphor that he used for the 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 judge uh, I think his name was Johnson, but it, it just really really struck home for me, you know, to use these types of things. So the metaphor of of you know this is trichome therapy. Um, the more that I thought about it, the more it, it just fit. 
Um, but that's what I wrote down on my um, – if, if you don't go in and do your renewal and you let it lapse for a month, then they, they make you do a whole bunch of things. Well, I've done so many road tests that I know all these things there. They've uh, had me do the medication change road tests and stuff like that. So I already knew what was going on. So I just let it lapse a month, went in there, and um, uh, they didn't make me write the test. They uh, said, oh, here, fill out the form. So I put in there. Uh, their first question is, is, did you have... A change of medications or you taking a medication that would, you know, preclude you maybe from safe driving or something like this, if I recall correctly. And I put in yes. And they, they said, uh, what is that uh, medication next? And I put in their tra- cannabis trichome therapy. And I'd never heard of this before. You know, I've got my ears on. I'm on Facebook. And um, so I thought, well, hey, I'm going to check this out. So, you know, long story short, after you find out stuff, you know, you read stuff and whatnot there, um, I went into it with uh, the study by Ethan Russo where he talks about how the the taming the effects of cannabis therapy, I believe it is, he called it there, how that can be done with uh, various things there, but it's a it's a study that everybody can kind of check out there. And uh, I noticed, you know, a lot of people like to be spoon fed the answers, but I figured that this is going to be so darn important that maybe somebody is going to look if they really think about it, they'll look here and they'll they'll realize how normalizing that um, getting the gold standard of sobriety testing that we have as um, the the body politic and all the name and everything else that we can actually do um, here in North America, as far as I'm concerned, um, because um, it's it's also used for caregivers. Um, The test is also... Um, to prove your sobriety and your ability to drive a, uh, a charge um, to a uh, uh, events of uh, daily living and whatnot there. Um, so you got to be tested for your sobriety, and no matter what medication you are, at the time I was doing, um, what was that, Demerol. Dr. On had me on the Demerol, and that never agreed with me. So, um, but they made me do the test anyway. It just because it showed up as, oh, he's on that. So, bam, they're 75 bucks. I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, that hasn't really changed. You know, that price of getting paid there, I've probably spent 480 bucks or something like that. The actual, I, I want to get into a little bit about, you know, um, you, you laid down how this all came about and you're able to kind of break break through their, their defenses a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, so you, you've been able to take a test, a driving test, that sort of laid out a baseline for your your ability to drive well, so-called under the influence of this trichome therapy. Is that is that what you're ultimately talking about? Thank you very much, Joe, for putting it just so perfectly. Yes. Yes. Okay, That's so exactly what let's, it is. 
down. What I what I like to do is break things down in a way that will apply to other people, um, and and I, that's what I want to get to. In in Canada, um, I don't know how different your driving laws are than than in the states. Probably not that different. Um, it seems that the way everything works over there. I was up in Winnipeg uh, uh, earlier in the summer, and um, it seems very similar. Your your rules of the road. Um, but I don't know how your licensing and all that goes. In in, in the states, what they've been doing is, um, you know, they set up these sobriety checkpoints all over the place, and they'll pull you in and they'll say, "I smell marijuana," and they'll they'll subject you to some sort of a a field test if you if you agree to it. If not, if you don't agree to it, they have the ability to take a blood test. And the problem is. Uh, here in the states, they have these ridiculous uh, guidelines for metabolites uh, that show something to them. It doesn't necessarily uh, translate to intoxication, but in their eyes, it does. And so, um, you know, it can be defended, and you can you can you can beat a case like this. But frankly, they it's pretty easy for them uh, here in the states, anyways, to hit you with the DUI. Um, simply with the, the presence of cannabis and, you know, the, the arresting officer's assessment that you were unable to pass a field sobriety test. Um, would this, that, that you're talking about, I, do they do the same sort of thing up there in the Great White North? If they do smell cannabis, they will subject us to the normal 12-point test. Now, what this does is it puts it on my on my permanent driving record that I have a whole list of drugs that I've done a test at certain dosages for. So when they compare those, they're going to find um, a certain amount of uh, blood level. Um, uh, I've done so many blood tests. And they've always been with, um, you know, a rather, a rather high um, cannabinoid uh, content over the years. So, you know, I mean, they're looking at my numbers and they're going, oh, my God, this guy, he's only half high here than he took the test there. <laughs> because I have actual numbers from past blood tests. And I think that that's one thing that a person would want to do is to, you know, get the standard blood test, you know, for something or another. And I uh, just mentioned to them, you know, please check me for cannabinoids or even if you have to get it paid for, I suppose. Um, because uh, the certain level that they test you at, like they found in um, the Kellogg case in Alberta, um, that uh, it was an oil um, company saying that when they tested him, he had uh, THC in his system. But lo and behold, it came down to, well, did you test him functionally for this? And they hadn't, so then it had to be one. So this is one of the reasons why this functional assessment 
um, is come into being. But I, I, at the same time, they they do have things like the Druid device and stuff like this that they're coming out with that we can just download the app and we can check our sobriety. Uh, no different than they would do it. The the professor is working on this. There's there's people working on it so that you know we all know that we're sober enough to drive, but we have no proof of it. Is what you're saying? So the blood test, then going to the, you know, I guess for somebody who's not familiar at all with it, it would be um, the occupational therapist, um, the blood test for when they witness your. Um, levels that you're saying that you're stable and whatnot with, then it would uh, be through the uh, occupational therapist that they would check you. It's probably going to be $1,500 to do that um, uh, for a road test. Then on that day, I believe, or something like this for the drugs, um, bam, that happens. That's usually... Um, the way that uh, I've seen them make the most money from a person. And usually, if one is really dependent upon their their license, yes, do that. You know, um, myself, uh, I'm up here in Canada, you know, I drove for 14 years, you know, and, uh, oh, license is right. You know, I mean, we got a, we had a sort of a different thing here when I was younger. Um, it is just an island too, right? And you know, it's just the West Coast and stuff like that. So, um, I, even though it's all been there, you know, I, uh, I ain't always been agreeable to every law. You know, I, 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 be, I believe that people should be able to travel, and with uh, people with limited mobilities, um, we have a more of a a degree of privilege um, for for being able to travel most efficiently. Now, um, uh, in everybody's, if people can just give me their medical guide from their state, um, I, I would really, really love to to look them up so that I can check to see if they're if there is any continuity going here, which I do believe that there is because the insurance companies, they all have a reciprocating agreement when it comes to transportation. Because in Canada here, um, our Transport Canada, it's like the, it's the end all for, for just about everything. And it's all based upon the maritime laws too. So, you know, having it based upon maritime laws makes a big difference. Now, um, I, I, I forgot what your question was again. <laughs> well, let's do this. I, I, I would like to, uh, it sounds to me like your, your mission here, um, aside from educating people about, you know, the ability to do this, which you've done very well, is to gather information from other um other places, other states, other provinces, other uh, states down here in the in the in the U.S. Um, why don't you yes. give everybody a way that they can reach you, so that they can give you their information, so that you can continue this uh, this research project and 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 build on it. Okay. Um. It, what I've been using is my my Facebook. Um. 
okay. my Facebook page you under the name of Rick. Or a, or a number or anything. Um, not everybody that listens to the show is a big Facebook fan, um, and a lot oh, of times okay. just having an email might be real, real easy. Oh, okay. Um, I'll give you my email. It's it's all smaller, smaller letters, and it's G E W A R R E N at Shaw. Dot C-A. That's S-H-A-W dot C-A. You know, I, I, I guess that'll work there, unless, of course, you need my phone number or something like this. You know? No, no, no. Good. And, and the show is archived. It's, it's, um, it's being recorded oh, on, on two different live feeds, and, and there's an archive of the show. So if somebody... Uh, you know, wanted to catch this, and they and they didn't they didn't get that email. Um, they can go back and listen to the archive. Um, I do need uh, to. You know, one the, of the reasons why I use the Facebook specifically um, is I wrote the premier and, or the prime minister and public safety and Justice Canada and every everybody else, and I I, I put it out there. This this is here. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of scaremongering going on here, obviously. So, um, you know, I, I wanted them to know that those of us in the community here, uh, we know about this. Uh, John Termel, he does his thing and he lets them know. So I I, I want to do my thing and I want to let them know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, knowledge is power, and, and you know the social media is a great tool for uh, getting a message out there. And I, you know, we use it a lot as well. But I know a lot of people that are very active and um, you know do a lot more one-on-one work that might be interested in this. And they they're not not everybody's into the Facebook. That's the only reason why I I reach outside. Why don't you give us your Facebook uh, presence once again so that. Um, a lot of people are, and that might be the easiest way to reach. How? Wh- what is your Facebook uh, profile again? It's uh, Richard Kudra, K-U-D-R-A. Now, the biggest thing is that I do not mind that uh, email because I don't get email from anybody. You know, I mean, gee whiz, who do I know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a guy sitting in a tree on a couch. <laughs> That's my newest one, by the way, for us uh, who do cannabis. We're just sitting on a tree, eh? You know, we're high up there, living in a tree house. And, you know, in a lot of ways it is because this this doing with the cannabis, it gives us a clarity, that a uh, relaxed clarity that not a lot of people get. Well, I'm going to share a little secret. When I was... Uh... Um, just getting my first driver license, I was, um, I don't know, I guess I was a little high strung or something. And I went and took the, the drive, you know, the written test. I passed that okay. And then they had me do the, the behind the wheel test. And the first time I took it, um, I, I made some kind of a tragic, you know, fatal error and I failed it. And I came back the second time and I failed it a second time. Um, you know, a couple weeks later or whatever. Then the third time was like my last chance. And I lit up a joint, took a couple of hits, and then went in there and did my test, and I passed it with flying colors. 
And wow, right on. That's really good. <laughs> um, my buddy Brody, he uh, Agent n- was calmed me down enough to uh, to pass yeah. the damn thing. And you know, I'm not saying that everybody um, benefits th- that way from cannabis. I, I I'm not going to advocate one way or another for that. I just know that for a lot of people, um, they're able to medicate with cannabis in a way that allows them to focus and uh, pay attention in a way that maybe otherwise they'd be a little too uh, sketchy for. Um, But I do need to keep moving forward. I need to uh, jump into some other calls, but I I thank you very much, Richard. And, you know, I welcome you um, if if you have some more updates or if you've learned some more about, um, you know, ways to make this viable and to help more people uh, to understand their rights and to uh, protect themselves. Ultimately, that's what this is all about, is a layer of protection that, that we can use. Um, and it, if it applies, you know, up in, up in uh, Canada or, or here in the States, um, you know, we're all about sharing the information and knowledge is power. So I appreciate you uh, joining the show. And, um, again, I welcome you to stick around and listen or uh, come back another time and, and, and share some more information. Thank you, and everybody have a happy Christmas. You betcha. Okay, folks, once again, Richard Kudra. Uh, from BC, Canada, sharing uh, quite a story about uh, cannabis trichome therapy and its value is to a driver and the ability to uh, record certain levels um, during a test that might be helpful if there was ever a case uh, where they were called out as being intoxicated. Um, Okay, so we've got a whole bunch going on now. Um, I see Mike Harris has bumped up to number one spot but I don't see anything about he has something to say. So non-compliant, Mary, if you could check with Mike and see if he's got something to say. Um, we got a bunch of people that do have something to say, and uh, let's start off with Eric Pierce. Eric Pierce is a defendant, and if I'm not mistaken, he was in trial today. Then we've got uh, Albert Thomas from Hawaii, and he has a new uh, chapter that's just been recently chartered. And then we have Pete Yapel, um, who is uh, about two clicks away from a chapter forming. Um, We've actually got his uh, uh, chapter charter printed up, and I'm real excited to to get that going on. So, And then, of course, we have Tom Corby with the NorCal report. Uh, So let's go ahead and start with Eric, and we'll continue on. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, above ground breathing and currently out of custody. Same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, got out of court yesterday. Uh, concluded the the jury trial. As uh, you already heard the results of, I was found guilty on all three charges. Uh, I, 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 I'm I'm a little disappointed. Obviously, uh, this is a misdemeanor case, right? Uh, it is. It is now. It was originally uh, uh, the cultivation and possession with intent to sell were uh, felonies back in 2015 uh, when I was arrested. Um, but now they're all all misdemeanors. The uh, psilocybin mushrooms was uh, misdemeanor the whole time. And so um, I, I didn't realize. Number one, I spent so much time in court, but they've typically been felony cases. Um, 
I've only seen a misdemeanor bench trial. I, I did not know that they w could call a jury on a misdemeanor case. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what happened there. Um, well, it was uh, uh, clearly uh, not not effective representation by counsel. Um, basically how it went uh, was the... Uh, the prosecutor had pictures of all the alleged 450 pounds of processed marijuana, which, of course, processed to them meant anything cut off of it, like cut off the plant, period. So still on the stick. It wasn't actually 450 one-pound bags of ready-to-sell or consume cannabis flour. Um, so they, they showed the jury pictures and pictures of all these plastic totes and all this uh dried cannabis or half dried cannabis hanging all over the place and uh um let's see yeah about four or five six pictures of that uh, really bright colored pictures too i noticed um they also showed uh, uh they had two two witnesses they had the arresting officer and then they also had the toxicologist and then uh the da pretty much just kept hounding them that they had to check all three boxes because it was the law and they had to do. Um, and my attorney had no, no photographs in my defense. He didn't even pull up the same photographs that the DA showed and, and point out, point them out in a different light, uh, give them a different way to view those pictures. Uh, Oh, the audio clip, I forgot. So the, uh, they also, the DA also brought audio recording of, the officer's interview with me, you know, during the arrest, and they did not play the, the whole audio clip. They actually played four, might have been three, I think it was four different segments of it. It was only like maybe a 10-minute conversation. Um, I would like to think the jury that wouldn't have 10 minutes to hear the entire conversation and uh, be able to understand context, you know. Um, you just take two or three sentences out of the middle of a, a whole conversation. You can easily take things out of context, um, which I, well, I believe you know, the old, Anything you say, Kenan, will be used against you in a court of law. I think that's yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah, and my attorney, he didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, even go on to say, hey, you know, let's go ahead and hear the whole recording. We we should be able to get this in accurate context or anything like that. His, his whole thing was just, you know, there's there's a reasonable doubt here, you know, guys. It's it's not 100% wow. certain that he's guilty. That was his defense. And uh, also, uh, I noticed the, the jury instructions, there were like 40 or 50 pages of jury instructions that the judge read to the jury um, with all of us in the room. And then, so that took more time than my attorney and the DA spent talking to them about the case. Um, no way they could possibly remember all those instructions or, you know, I don't remember what they all were. Uh, but I do remember that they were not allowed to go online or use any resources to research laws regarding the case, which I, I'm not good with. How can a jury make a decision about the law and be told they're not allowed to research the law? I, I do not understand how that uh, makes sense. Um, you know, it's unfortunate and, uh, that this is more common than 
and I wish it was. Um, when it all comes down to it, you're convicted of three misdemeanors. Uh, what kind of exposure are you looking at? Uh, 18 months of uh, informal probation. Uh, I'm just supposed to update my address if I move. I'm going to move anywhere in the country I want to and all of that. Um, oh, and, they, and a, a monetary fine. Um, for all three charges, they suspended the the fines on one of the marijuana charges. I forget which one. So for the alleged 450 pounds of processed marijuana and the 20 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, uh, the fines were $395. So that uh, not including the mushrooms. All this time in uh, court, uh, wasting the prosecutor, the judge the public defender, and the jury's time, and their big take was less than $500 and an 18-month informal probation. Uh, yes, it, 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 I divided the, I did the math with the cannabis, and I believe it came out to between 80, I believe it came out to 87.777 something cents per pound. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not oh sure if God. I think it should be more or less, or which one's more confusing. It really just doesn't make any sense all the way around. So, what is your plan from here on out? Uh, well, I have. Uh, uh, I got that yesterday. So, from yesterday, I have 30 days to appeal it. Um, I mean, I plan on appealing it just because, uh, just because it's the right thing to do, and and to put a have an appeal, uh, hopefully win an appeal and have an appeal on record so somebody else can use it in the future. Um, you know, just going to court and the, and the, the time and the driving around and everything else, you know, it's going to cost me more than $395 to appeal it one way or another, That's obviously. But uh, crazy, either it? way, I still want to it. In the, at least uh, the... the, the uh, charge has changed from a, a felony to a misdemeanor, um, at least where you're at, they honored that, um, and that's fantastic. You know, uh, a couple of years back that you, you could have been looking at some serious exposure over that, whether, you know, it doesn't make it right, it just makes it the way it is or was. Um, so there is some benefit, at least I'm seeing, to the law that was passed. Uh, obviously, you know, Legal doesn't mean legal, and 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 you know they're they're always going to say whatever you were doing if they target you was outside of what the law allows, and the punishment oh, yeah. you know you lost you lost your crop no matter what, so that in itself was probably a worse punishment than than all the rest of it put together. Actually, actually, I would have to say it wasn't because I actually didn't have any stake in any of that. The only. Okay. Uh, even the even the, the small amount, the half ounce or so that, of cannabis that was in my tent, I didn't pay any money for it. It was given to me. Uh, so I actually had no stake in any of that, which is the most bogus part about it. Um, but uh, I also wanted to point out that uh, when the judge was telling me to, you know, that I had 18 months on supervised probation, conditions of release, and, and uh, you know, not to get arrested on the same charges and... Uh, to use any controlled substances illegally, 
So, of course, I nudged my public defender and said, hey, you know, I do have a valid 215 now. And so he, he kind of looked a little bit perplexed, and he, he goes, uh, Your Honor, um, uh, my client has a 215. Um, and she goes, well, um, and they both seem to be quite confused, had to think about it for a minute. And then they go, well, it says not to use controlled substances illegally, so just don't do it illegally. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, it was kind of confusing. I was, I, I wasn't sure. Am I supposed to get a 215 waiver, like authorized by the judge? Apparently, that's not even an option or needed anymore. Or they weren't quite sure what to do with that. Well, and the officer said you didn't need a 215. Uh, oh yeah. Um, also. Um, uh, 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 David uh, Ennis uh, with the Butte County Sheriff's Department, the arresting officer that was on the stand uh, when the attorneys asked him if uh, 215 recommendation is required to be part of a collective, he said no, <laughs> which was which is news to me. I, you know, you I hadn't actually heard of that before. So. What did you get arrested for? You still there, Joe? Yeah, yeah. No, I said now you can be a, a member of a collective just being a citizen. Well, what do you need a collective for then at that point? Well, yeah, exactly. And not to mention, but wasn't this whole thing, they were saying I didn't have a 215 to be there, so it was all criminal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, uh, well, I, yeah. I, at least you're 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 to a place where you can have some, some closure. You have the ability to appeal and make a record of this. And you know it, you you've you've not shrunk away from it. I I commend you for that. What's it like at least having the support of some of the the locals around you? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, um, you know they've yeah they've been awesome. Uh, they always show up and give a lot of support for for uh, about a year and a half now. Uh, I didn't know most of them until after I got out. Um, but uh, yeah, like Tom Corby, you'll be. Speaking to him in a minute. Uh, he's been there the whole time, uh, and then uh, a whole bunch of other people. I'm I'm going to forget a bunch of names, so I don't want to start saying names, leaving people out. But uh, yes, yeah, so no, it's, it's all good. It's just, been awesome. just to know that the support makes a difference. That's you know every time we hear this from a defendant, and I talk about my case, you know that went on for six years. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do this show. There wouldn't be a human solution probably if I didn't have the support I had. And I, you know, I value the support in a way that I get it in a way most people don't. And that's why I like to have defendants that at least to share their experience about it. I've watched a lot of cases uh, where the people had nobody and you watch them come in and you watch them go out and there was nobody there for them. You know, if they're lucky, they got that public defender. But, um, you know, at least to have a, 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 even a handful of people makes all the difference in the world. Oh, absolutely. So, excellent. All right. Well, um, I, I, I'm sorry that the jury saw fit to convict you on anything. However, you know, maybe uh, this appeal is going to end up paving a way for somebody else to uh, not have to go through that. And, you know, I got convicted on 12 felonies and we were able to overturn all 12 of them so you know just stay in the course you'd be surprised victory gets awful sweet in the end when you win it sure does excellent all right eric pierce thank you so much for joining us 
and uh, we'll uh, continue on. All right. Thanks. You bet. All right. We got Mike Harris. Uh, Mike Harris is a board member of the Human Solution International, and he's got a quick announcement, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? Oh, I've got no complaints. Um, well, as you know, um, and maybe some of your listeners will catch up on it, I'm a litigant, um, not a defendant, but a litigant in a uh, uh, a case um, in regards to the, the new adult use, med- adult marijuana use in Prop 64. I've got kind of an issue with my city's ordinance that they passed in regards to personal growth. So I'm represented by... Drug Policy Alliance, the ACLU, and the lead attorneys are from O'Malvanian Myers. And um, after, I think, we filed in April, um, it's our first uh, court appearance will be January 10th as um, a trial conference setting. Yeah, and it's um, you know it's just basically a formality, and I guess you know they're going to iron out I guess uh, whatever they do in a trial conference setting. It'll be fairly quick, from my understanding. But um, it's interesting that um, tonight, going on in a neighboring city, San Bernardino, uh, the city council is talking about a a 45-day ordinance, you know, to um, ban uh, cannabis activity. But they'll they're also passing a personal ordinance, which is what the um, the original Prop 64 intended that uh, somebody can grow plants, you know, on their property, in their backyard, six plants, and the only uh, uh, caveat, they don't have to have a permit. They just don't want the plants to be over six foot high, which is, I guess, the height of a fence. You know, and that's nowhere near what the city of Fontana is asking for. So, you know, it's uh, my one of my attorneys, uh, when I pass that on to him as well, you know, that's, that's really a good thing that we can use to show, you know, what reasonable regulation entails and not uh, something that's so onerous that makes you like a parolee if you happen to just file for a permit. Well, I, I got to tell you, it's it's exciting to know the court hearing where our side is on the offense rather than the defense. And, uh, you know, it it hasn't happened a lot. Um, but my hope is that this will incite a lot more of that. This be the, you know, the groundbreaker that that uh, you know, opens the door for plenty more suits like this to happen. And maybe they'll just realize that it's more trouble than it's worth to try to enforce these ridiculous bans. Well, possibly, but you know, like a lot of cases throughout history, that um, you know, it takes a citizen to step up and change a bad law. Because there's, you know, throughout history there's been, uh, you know, a whole slew of bad laws. And a lot of times, you know, we have, you know, as a citizen, a, a right to challenge them, you know, in, in the court of law. So that's what I'm doing. Exactly. Well, and, you know, we've been we've been talking about, you know, laws and passing laws and changing laws. And, and you know, I talk about the public sentiment uh, factor in all of this, and ultimately, this is a huge demonstration of public sentiment. When an individual or a group of people are willing to take their free time, their freedom, their 
their resources and put them out there to make a change that will not just affect them but everybody else, it is a statement of public sentiment. And I think that that's, you know, yet one more way, uh, you know, to demonstrate this. So uh, I'm excited to hear that we, we're moving forward, and uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see what BB&K has to bring to the table and, and, and how we can finally not cut them down to size a bit. Yeah, yeah well, either way, the taxpayer still has to pay for uh, their end of it. But, um, I know. you know, it doesn't I look good for the city when all of this. The sick yeah. part about all of this, win or lose or draw, we pay for it. <laughs> right. All right, Joe. Well, that's all about right, it. Man. And I want to wish everybody uh, out there, uh, you know, happy holidays. And uh, just uh, stay safe and um, be nice to your neighbors. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Mike Harris from San Bernardino. Or you're not from my, San Bernardino, from Fontana. Um all right, let's move forward. We got Albert Thomas up. Albert is a uh, chapter coordinator of one of our newest chapters, and uh, been working with Albert really closely in the last little while. Um, you know, we have the Human Solution International has a board. We have an executive team, and the executive team deals with day-to-day -day operational uh, issues. Uh, and we have a, a meeting every Tuesday and Thursday uh, at 9 o'clock in the morning. And what we're doing now is opening up our meeting to chapter coordinators, um, the new ones especially, but any and all of them. And uh, we're making this to be more of a, a training session and, and a, a, a roundtable. And it's, it's opening up our ability to uh, see where, what the needs are and how we can build this organization stronger and, um, you know, the radio show is all about that as well. And so, um, you know, remember, we're a grassroots organization. Uh, a chapter becomes a beacon, a local beacon, and it becomes a local resource. And all it does is help everybody who's around you. Um, it's not anything that, you know, you just turn around and give us a bunch of money and we do something for you. Um, any money that we get enables these chapters to do what they do. Um, it's 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 every single um, every single individual that's part of this organization benefits from this organization, and we also uh, make it so that those in need have a place to go to. <clears throat> People who find themselves on the short end of the legal stick have somebody to reach out to, and if nothing more, um, have a voice to listen to their story and a uh, group of people that maybe have experienced some elements of this and maybe have some advice to offer, if not much, much more. Albert, welcome to the show. You're live on the air. Well, hello, Joe. Thank you for having me, and I'm glad to be here. I want to say season's greetings to everyone. I've really enjoyed what I've heard so far, and um, I'm really excited about what's going on here in Hawaii. I, um, this past weekend, spent time with the Hawaii Cannabis Open Expo. That's an organization here that is trying to bring all of the cannabis, the medical cannabis community together in an effort to hopefully get the word out and have people to uh, be properly represented, let's say, from a medical standpoint, um, to make sure that we've, if, when we do get dispensaries, that they're going to provide what the people need. Um, 
I um, want to say that out of the, there had about 15 vendors at this event this past Sunday, and five of them were selling CBD products like on multi levels, and so that was kind of a surprise to see uh, that how this is really taking off. Um, but that was that. We've got a couple of things coming up. We've got Michael Ruggles' trial coming up in January. I'm hoping to get the final details on that, and I'll publish it on the website when I get it in. And the last thing that I'm really excited about is Tulsi Gabbard. She is our U.S. representative who introduced new legislation, H.R. 1227, to end federal marijuana prohibition act. And um, I don't know if folks know that that's coming out of Hawaii, and just wanted to kind of get that word out. Absolutely, and I think that's really exciting. You told me about that a little bit um, the other day, and um, I'm hoping uh, that we're able to make contact with somebody on her team or her, herself um, to be able to bring her onto the show and do a, do a live interview. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's interesting. As, as a 501c3, um, we have to dedicate our resources uh, primarily to education and support uh, efforts. However, um, and, and not so much as endorsing or, or promoting any specific law or, or candidate, but we can educate people. And I think that um, unless we're specifically trying to gather signatures or, or trying to, um, you know, endorse somebody in an election, we have a lot of free will in what we're able to do with our educational resources. And I think that to communicate with a public official, an elected official, um, it breaks it down to a, a, a point of humanity. As much as so many of these elected officials are just talking heads, yahoos, um, you know, they're, they're, they're puppets, they're whatever you want to call them, they certainly aren't representatives. Every once in a while you get one that decides to do the right thing, and every once in a while you get one that decides to represent their constituents. And in this case we have one. In my opinion, that's the time when we need to raise them up and give them a voice outside of what their normal channels are. Uh, we need to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them as two human beings, and maybe we can break through some of this political quagmire of, of, of you know, lobbyists and influence and money and all the bullshit that keeps uh, positive change from happening in politics as it is. And I, I'm very much looking forward. Every once in a while, it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while there comes a politician or an elected official that I actually want to talk to. And this is certainly one of these cases. Yes, there's uh, actually the, the new guy coming on the set. i, I got to get his name, but he's running for lieutenant governor here. And his platform is the end of federal marijuana prohibition. So it's um, really interesting to see how I find that for sure, are, even on a personal level. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Excellent. Well, thank so you so much for the update. 
Albert. Um, I uh, and, and you know we've got um, more and more listenership and more and more interest in Hawaii. Um, if you want to get involved with our new uh, chapter on the in Hawaii right now, we're calling it the Big Island Hawaii Court Support Chapter of the Human Solution International. How would they get a hold of you? They can reach me on Facebook, of course, uh, at the Big Island Hawaii Court Support Group, as well as my name, Albert Thomas, on Facebook. My The telephone number to reach me at is 808-731-6477, and I can also be reached on email at albertthomas1953 at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, Albert, um, it's always a treat to talk to you. What's really great about about Albert here, for anybody who, who isn't aware, Albert came to uh, this show and to the Human Solution about, it's been almost two years now, and uh, he came, he, he, he contacted the website um, about two years ago, and yep. uh, I responded, as I'm inclined to do, and he said he had a case in Oklahoma, and he had remembered uh, meeting me sometime in the past at something, some class I was teaching, and he was impressed the fact that we got back to him. Well, to me, I say that's what we're here to do. So we didn't do anything special with Albert. We we gave him uh, the opportunities and the, the support that we do. That's what we do on a national level. And um, we were there for him on a, on a emotional level, especially. I mean, we were, we didn't have to end up going to Oklahoma. Um, his case ended up getting settled. But he called into the show numerous times as as his case was going on, and as it as it was resolved, and he ended up moving out to Hawaii. Um, we continued our, our conversations, and and once he got out from the burden of the case, he and and it seems to be a a, a new trend which I'm so excited about. In the past, over the last eight years, most the most of the people that went through a case that we supported ended up just going on their own way and leaving, not even turning around to say thank you, the most of them. And now, this last couple of years, it seems that more and more uh, defendants that we've supported are sticking around um, and, and are sticking around to help others. And that was always the battle plan. That was always, you know, the big... Uh, the big plan was to say, let's create a, a gift that keeps on giving. You pay it forward. You know, you you uh, you take what you've learned and you you teach others with it. And and overall, we build our numbers of aware, knowledgeable, caring community. And eventually, we become unstoppable. And that was always sort of my master plan. You know, the pinky in the brain. What are we going to do today? Pinky, we're going to take over the world. Well, what we're going to do is take over the world in a way that gives us all the liberty um, and freedom that we were endowed with on our birth um, and since it's been stripped from us by our government. And I think that it's a real simple uh, simple task. All we got to do is stand together. All we got to do is teach each other what we've learned, and that's what's going on. So 
Uh, Albert, it's a treat to have you with us, and um, I'm looking forward to carrying your chapter, raising it up to be a beacon as it as it is already. Yes, Joe, I, I'm looking forward to spreading the word. And, you know, I'm thinking, I was actually thinking today, it was two years ago and two days when I got arrested in Oklahoma, and the disparity that set in uh, over the ensuing couple of weeks that I was incarcerated with no possibility to get out, it looked like. I was facing two life sentences. And when I called, when I went online, I was desperately looking for any support I could get. The deal was, you just don't know until you're under charges how quickly people will leave your life. So when, when <laughs> I put, when I reached out to you, and you called me right away, Joe, and really, you know, and, and yep. Lisa, somebody wrote an article about me even from the Human Solution. That it really helped me to gain some, you know, courage to, to face what was going on. And, and yeah, I ended up taking a plea, but it was mainly because of the circumstances. You know, we have to consider, you know, we just, that young man that just said he was convicted, uh, in, is that, I think that was in California, but it ended up being misdemeanors. I was in Oklahoma, and, and there were, none of those charges were going to go away if I took it to trial because they had a real vendetta to settle from the federal side. The attorney general had a lawsuit that they had filed against Colorado uh, for people bringing stuff in there. And unfortunately, in my case, they had pictures of that stuff. You know, it was terrible when I looked at the evidence against me. There was, there was not much else to do. So I'm grateful that they gave me the plea, and I ended up, it was a misdemeanor charge uh, in the end, but without the, the support and, and the, the focus that you guys gave me, I don't think I would have gotten to this point, you know. So I'm going I'm, I'm to be here for someone else now. I met a young man yeah. on Sunday Robert, who is facing charges is over on Oahu. That, that's 250 miles away across the water, but I'm going to try to do what I can to get people to, to go and support him. Um, as much as possible. So we'll see what we can do. Fantastic. Well, Albert, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, I look forward to our continuing uh, efforts to end prohibition together. Thanks, Joe. Take care now. All right. Albert Thomas, once again, uh, chapter coordinator from the Hawaii chapter. All right. We've got Pete Yapel, and then uh, we got Glenn Keeling just popped in our newest chapter coordinator in Ohio. And then, of course, we got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. So we're going to step this up to uh, uh, a little faster clip, and uh, we're going to keep on going here. Pete Yapel, um, I'm excited to be working with you. I've, I remember when uh, we were doing the beginning of the UCCA, and you were always present with uh, uh, an energetic uh, point of view, and then um, you know you got sick and kind of lost touch for a little while, and and you got reestablished, and uh, and watching your energy level rise up again, um, and um, it's exciting that you've taken on the uh, the the call of of launching a chapter in New York, and I'm actually holding right now your chapter charter that um, hopefully if you're able to join us tomorrow morning on our um, Executive call. We'll be able to to get this thing finalized and get your get your charter chapter chapter chartered. Well, 
Absolutely, Joe. I'm I'm available tomorrow morning. I got nothing going on. And yeah, I uh, <laughs> it's not like I ever really left the movement. It was just uh, some you can't help anybody else unless you can help yourself. You know what I mean? And that's what happened with me. But uh, you know, Helen and I have been still just you know balls to the wall, and now. Yeah, like you say, that fire gets underneath my ass, and I'm just, you know, I'm ready to rip roar and and run with this thing, you know. And I got Helen with me now, Joe. I got, we got, you got lucky. I got hey, Helen, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Good. How are you? It's going wonderful. Oh, you're fantastic. You know, it's it's really great to have the two of you. Um, and and we have, uh, you know, in Ohio, we have a couple that's going to be. Um, you know, heading up that chapter as well. And, you know, my wife and I work together. It, it's really great when we have a family dynamic. Um, you know, you got Tom and Donna Corby. Um, you know, we've got a number of chapters that are are held together um, by a team of people. And, awesome. and there's nothing more powerful than a, than a you know, a strong marriage. Um, That's right. And, and to be able to take that energy and bring it to an effort like this is really exciting because to me, I think it, it lends a, a strength. Um, you know, whatever the one has uh, a weakness in, the other one tends to have a strength in, or if one's tired, the other one can pick it up and run. Um, it, there's just something I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to, to keep doing my fight the way I did for six years. If my wife wasn't standing by me, it would have been, uh, a much tougher battle I, I might have dropped. But uh, here we are today, so I'm, I'm just uh, real tickled that you guys are together and with us. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's it, it was with me, especially coming out of illness. Helen was my pilot light, you know what I mean? She just kept going, all right, you've been silent long enough. You've got to get going. If you don't do this, you because she'd hear me playing every day, you know. Oh, my gosh, I can't stand reading this anymore, you know, and uh, – uh, but, hey, listen, we're just real excited to be with you. We're really, really, really anxious to get up and running. You know, uh, uh, we've we've always been about, uh, Helen and I, listen, yes, everybody knows that we stand up for and we preach a candle lifestyle and this, that, and the other thing. Because why? Because it saved me and such. But not only for that, you know, we stand up for everything. You know, if it's a human right, we should have it. And that's, that's where we, you know, that's where our major stance on anything really comes. Well, and, and that's the core of what the human solution is all about to begin with. And I, yeah. I really like the, your, your chapter name. I'm, I'm really excited. The first probably 40 chapters that, that came to light from the human solution, um, there was only a handful of them that, that took a moniker. Um, you know, they were just uh, identifiers of their region for the most part. We had a few. We got the Burning Bunnies chapter out of uh, out of Las Vegas, and we got the headquarters chapter here uh, in SoCal, um, and, a, and a handful of others. But um, you've chosen the name Solidarity Over Separation, which, of course, the acronym would be SOS, which, of course, um, is very symbolic. You know, we have this uh, Solidarity Ribbon, and the Solidarity Ribbon is a green ribbon, with a red cross, and the red cross to me always represented the first responder, that we're the one that runs to the fire, we're the one that runs into the danger when the danger's there, and what's an SOS sign, but they help, <laughs> we need, we need a first responder, and so it's, it's really a beautiful uh, uh, multi-layered meaning 
meaning and and a great name for your chapter. I'm really tickled about it. A lot of all of that went into that, honestly. Every bit from the solidarity ribbon being a part of it, uh, you know, uh, us standing together. You know, I mean, listen, <laughs> there's so much separation within a movement. It, it's it, it's crazy, but if we can all stand for the one thing, and that's just to end prohibition. You know, repeal all of this can- all of this cannabis injustice that's been done. You know, th- listen, that's really truly the end result. It's really the only true result because. Like as I say, and I and I hear all the time, is legalize, legalize, legalize. Well, legalize to me just means law-driven, just means government control again. And to me, there there's no reason for them to control, like you say, something that is completely victimless. There is in no way to decriminalize the We need to make it no longer a crime. And right. <clears throat> when we decriminalize this plant, prohibition will be over. There's never been a single case in history of the world that prohibition worked. There has been many, many, many cases where they've tried to uh, enact prohibition, religious prohibition, um, alcohol prohibition, substance prohibition, prohibition of, of, of rights of all kinds. Never once has it worked. So why the hell would they think this time is going to be different? And it's up to us to be a great change, and that's what we're here to do. Well, just listen, Joe. That whole explanation to that is it's it's a quick way, for, or actually a long-term way in this, in this case, for them to earn money and line their pockets, and 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 once again, just control us. And it, to me, to me, it's all silly. It's just to the point of silly anymore. With all of the information that's out there, that's undeniable. Uh, you know, it's. It's ridiculous. And once again, the biggest part about it is is it's completely victimless. It's completely victimless. People have never been hurt by cannabis in any way, shape, or form. So, so punishing people more severe, as you know, as we heard from Craig when he talked, talk, when you got when you're making bombs, you get less time than you do for possessing cannabis. Oh, you know, or you know, you know, I mean, to me, it's ridiculous. Well, and that's a drumbeat that we keep pounding. You know, that's it's funny that the the uh, song that starts this this show, the beat goes on. It's a long song, but it gives me time to get my shit together to start the show. As usually, I'm running into the to the room to get it going. Um, but the bottom line is, is if if you listen to the song, you know the drum beat keeps pounding rhythms into my brain, and that's the thing that we need to do. You, you can you can. Create a mantra. Yeah. You can create a drumbeat. You can get a message to travel a long distance and reach the people you need to. Keep repeating it, and you keep being clear, and you keep eating this drum, and that's what this is. Uh, there's no victim. There's no crime. That's what we have to just keep remembering, you know, and, and every once in a while, one of us gets picked to be a juror, and we remember that drumbeat that sticks in our head. We have a right. We have the... We have we have the mandate, the obligation to judge the law as well as the evidence presented. And if we judge that law to be immoral or unjust, it's our obligation, it's our mandate to vote not guilty. And that's if we can get that message through to people. And you cannot be punished. You cannot be punished for your verdict. It can't happen. Well, that's right. You know, exactly. People don't understand vote that. Your you know? That's what that means. Yeah, I- all right. Hey, listen, too, Joe. And we're, well, 
when we were talking what we were talking earlier and, and like silly law. I mean, and and not to, I, I'm a, I'm one of those weird people, you know, like weird facts always stick with me or whatever else. And it had this article up. Uh, I, I was reading it, and it's 15 obscure laws in New York, and two of them that stuck out that like that I just never forget. And I don't know why I just remember these two. But she can a, a donkey is not allowed to sleep in a tub, and and a uh, <laughs> and I swear to you, and you can't wear slippers after 10 p.m. I swear to God to you, it's written New York State law. Now, think if we enforce these things, you know? I mean, but to me, cannabis law is really as silly as, silly as that. So. You know, I, I, I don't know why those two. Oh, there was another one. You can't carry an ice cream cone in your pocket. I mean, who carries ice cream cones in their pockets anyway? I mean, I, I just don't get it. But not very smart uh, people. Well, Pete, I we're we're running low on time, and I got I'm going to get to Glenn and Tom here. Um, I will send you the contact information for tomorrow morning's call, and um, I, I can't wait that. to get you chartered. Awesome, brother. We'll speak to you in the morning, man. And thanks again. Merry All Christmas. All right, Pete, Helen, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we'll talk thank to you both you. tomorrow morning. All right. Thank you. All right. Pete and Helen Yapel from New York um, are new chapter coordinators, and as of tomorrow, they're going to be uh, officially chartered. Okay, now we got Glenn, and uh, then we got Tom Corby, and that'll be all we got. Glenn, welcome to the show. Glenn Keeling is our newest chapter coordinator. He was just chartered two days ago. And Glenn's got the Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution out of Ohio. And, you know, we talk about the Human Solution being a beacon. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just there's not a better way that I've found to express what we do and how we do it. You know, we shine. We 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 learn, we teach, we support, we're there, we're the, the warmth of the light, we're the, the, the illumination of the light, and, you know, we're the beacon that tells us to, you know, there's a safe place over here. So, welcome to the show. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you could make it. Uh, we got uh, we, we ran out of time again. It seems to happen every time. I, I look at the clock, I'm like, well... I don't know, maybe we'll close this one down a little early, and then all of a sudden we're out of time. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I just wanted to say thank you to you guys for uh, being supportive and putting us in the position that we're in, and we're very proud to, to be where we're going with this. And um, we are going to fight prohibition every step of the way that we possibly can here in Ohio. We're going to re-educate and allow people to understand. We're not going to force it on them. We're just going to allow them to understand what the new laws are and what the laws are changing to. Well, that's that's what we need to do. And, again, I'm holding your charter in my hand, and I'll be putting your uh, chapter package out probably in the mail tomorrow. And I look awesome. forward to, uh, you know, continuing the conversation about uh, building the chapter, building support, for your case, building support for both you and your wife, um, and uh, and and enabling you to uh, help out others that are in need of similar situations. Absolutely, that that's the main thing is being able to help other people. Um, we'll get through this. We'll, we'll and it makes us stronger. Um, but there's a lot of people that 
where we were at, and we just want to be there for other people to help them through whatever they may be going through, whether it is a marijuana case or any other civil right, human rights, not civil, human rights that we can possibly help with. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, uh, Glenn, Peggy, I I am just uh, tickled again. we got a couple that's standing together helping us out, uh, you know, to further this. Remember, everybody, we're all volunteers, and um, if enough of us stand together, the load gets lighter, and we can do a better job at it. So um, looking forward to watching the East Coast Beacon start lighting up. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Joe. You guys have a great evening. You take care now. All right. Again, Glenn Keeling from Ohio, our newest chapter coordinator. All right. We got Tom Corby with just a little under four minutes to wrap this one up. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Becca, Barry, and uh, not to forget Lisa, our vice president, Coffee Party Radio Show, what is another historical show. I'm here tonight with Frank Canan, who Joe knows well, who had his case dismissed, and he'll be sharing a little bit tonight. I'm going to focus tonight on this travesty and the injustice that go inside these courtrooms. Joe, when we talk about PDs, he takes the cake. He's one of the third kind. Oh, my God, Joe. We've been talking about Eric Pierce. I'm so glad he talked today and standing his ground. He's ready to take him on on appeal in the pellet court. What's that say? He's glad he is doing it now. Again, Joe mentions these are just misdemeanors. And what a waste of taxpayers' time and money and disrupting Eric's life and his family. So, in uh, this this trial in the first place, some of my notes here, it's hard for me to cut to the chase on this because it's so important. (laughs) Uh, I could not believe that uh, Joe and I know the many uh, cases we worked, many hours we spent in courtrooms, that first of all, they snuck this three trial selection in, we all thought it would just be another, uh, like, number five trial readiness conference. No, believe me, I'm going to tell you, folks, they snuck this in and hoped we wouldn't get there, but we were there. What are we doing? We're bearing a witness to their injustices and keeping an eye on them, and it's a shame what they're doing in these courtrooms to make money on us. And wrecking these kids' lives, they can't get jobs. They make them criminals. It's so sad. This is one I've been given. You've heard me talk to the one odds, all these friends like Frank Canan, Eric Kurz, Alex Lyons, Nick Moran. With all quittles and dismissal. Why did I lose this one? Terrible, terrible PD. Marshall, actually working in with, we feel the judge 
Mayfield and the DA and a backroom deal. When I came into the courtroom, Judge Seams was had us scheduled in room three. We wanted Judge Seams, not Mayfield. Frank will tell you he was also his hanging judge. So they were down there, Alex, our court supporter, Frank, down there. All those doors are locked. What's that say? What Joe's always said, if we take them on to trial, they can't do this, and we're breaking them. As no one should be going to jail for a plant in the first place. I want to just always throw that in. We finally found out, had to go up in the front, and the guards, when we first came in, didn't tell us, let us go down there and banging on, trying to find out. They were actually, it was supposed to then be scheduled in room seven, Joe. Where did we end up? In room eight. We went in there. Oh, my God. Yeah, we. when we came in there and sat down, believe me, Joe, Judge Mayfield, he was more concerned about us and kept looking at us that we were there to bear witness. Her injustice. We really feel that D.D. Marshall, Judge, Judge, and we can also let her know, Judge Mayfield and D.D.A. Leah Payne, who we were thinking about having her run for D.A. as good news again. Mike Ramsey and his cronies have retired. This is really a sad part of this. One of the most sad parts of this <clears throat> hearing is a good attorney like Tully, uh, Ivana Femino, many good attorneys, and even our, our friend P.D. Karen would have had this one a long time ago. They would have never taken this on to trial. Of course, they tried to catch us with their pants down, but believe me, they... This is all going to be brought out. We're doing phone bombs. And just just Google in P.D. Robert Marshall and Chico pop right up. Send him phone calls, emails, and let him know how you feel. It's just so sad. And Every 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 motion, even the Morrison motion, were all denied. What's yes, three times Morrison motion. The Morrison motion is actually uh, we've talked about it on the show before, recusing an incompetent PD to Judge Judge Riley. He did retired also. Judge Riley, three ju- two judges in the first place went in and and. Filed for recusal on the Marsden and the judges, whoever they were, it doesn't seem to matter, uh, refused it. So, Eric, after I said, now you're going to bring that in. If you talk, and I really wanted him to talk in this situation, go pro per. I said, make sure to bring out how not only Pierce said he couldn't defend him, he wouldn't recuse himself. At one point earlier, I've told you, you cannot do this. His bar license is in jeopardy because you cannot tell your defendant he's stupid for not making a deal. Uh, this is just business. And 
uh, you're just a number to me, basically, that you folks know that PDs make three times as much when they deal you out. This is all about the money, folks, always. So it doesn't mean that you can't use your PD to your advantage. Just know this. Most of this, most of your advocacy and your legal strategy will come from the Human Solution International and all folks that have some kind of basic, just very basic advocacy in the legal sense. Uh, we always come, and when I talk about not filing, P.D. Marshall never filed even the most simple and very first motion, a 995 dismiss on probable cause motion. That is number one. You can file yourself. Frank Canan will tell you. Eric Pierce can tell you. You, got, you must make sure these attorneys, Tully, not Femino, but your PDs, and even some of these attorneys, that they make sure that that's filed as, or do yourself. <laughs> yeah. At one point in court support, when we've always told, come with aggressive code of conduct, always come in and sit as a group. It's good to have a pad and be writing. Thank God people did it. I wouldn't have all these beautiful notes from Alex Lyons on one side, Frank Canan on the other, and David Allen there, and thank him, too, for always coming for court support. Uh, uh, don't forget to breathe. Yeah, so at one point, uh, yours were coming in. We were all standing, of course, to respect them. So were they, Mark, uh, POS, uh, excuse me, PPO, public pretender, Marshall, can you believe this? Looked over to me and says, well, like this, you caught to sit down. Are you kidding me? You almost said it. And I look over, I said, we're respecting the juries. He looked over to, to Pierce on the other side. He says, you got to tell your people they got to sit down. Can you believe this? He's a tool within the system, obviously working with the the judges and the TAs is such a shame. Furthermore, it's even worse. Joe and I know when you go sit down and you see that jury, no, you never really could figure them out. Not this time, not with 10 houses. I already knew. I didn't see anybody up there that I'm not going to burn one with that I might not I might not go to jail for. What's that say? It's quite obvious and it's not that hard to hand test a law enforcement jury. That's basically what they are. And believe me, I'm gonna tell you right now, before they even went there, they already decided not guilty on all three charges. No, isn't that a shame? Misdemeanors, going to court. Oh, yes. And then Frank's also right here. He might like to say a few words. Hi, Joe. I'm hanging out with Tom. I'm right in Frank, how's it going? Right. Go ahead. Good, sure. good. Share that there. Merry Man, Christmas to you bit. guys. Let Frank talk oh, thanks. to Thanks. Merry Christmas. Back to you. But, yeah, but yeah it was the most uh, injustice system. Uh, 
Mickey Mouse court, kangaroo court that I had ever seen. And uh, touching bases where, where Tom was at with the jurors, five or six of the jurors have already been there before. And I think that they were using them to stack the deck against him of to make course. sure that they got their, their win. Yes, that's a good point. And then also, uh, uh, here's another thing. Uh, in Butte County, folks, and uh, all of Northern California, when you go to trial, the jury always stands up and comes out, faces you, and goes out the front door. Not for a couple of years since uh, probably D.A. Ramsey and his goons. Said, Thank God they retired. He knows how I feel about him, what he did to us. Uh, uh, I don't want to get on that. That's a long, that's a two hours. That's a two hour show, <laughs> like Joe's. Uh, anyway, so uh, when we first went in. And, and they went out. They went out the back door like usual. But the second time after break, when Mayfield uh, 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 went to break, uh, they came out and faced us. So I said, oh, my God, maybe Mayfield changed her mind. Oh, no bullshit. I have no idea why she would let him come out the front door once. And then from then on, they went out the back door. Here's another thing. Think about it. Uh, when we first came in, I, I said, again, it, it seemed like when we finally got to room eight, they were trying to actually hide from us because uh, God, it just blew them away that anybody was even coming. So they end up in room eight, not room three, on the other end of the courtroom. Right. So... <laughs> So uh, some of the things, and also, of course, it was a tainted jury and handpicked, and they'd already made up their mind when it first started, and they're probably getting paid off. And that's really a shame. I just hope that if one of them's listening today, that they can sleep at night, this doesn't happen to one of their kids. It's really a shame. And then, uh, thanks for uh, LEB coming on Facebook. Joe's probably there with the. Uh, 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 bringing up some of the things that we do from here. And one of them is uh, on David Allen's post uh, is we could bring in uh, the shallslaw.com. I read it. It's really good. Frank read it. And uh, Pierce can bring in, uh, well, you can file on a competency, but actually, uh, Ellie said it's ineffective assistance of counsel. And, uh, I'm going to read here real quick. Uh, David Allen post. You probably saw it. You have it. When your public defender refuses to talk to supporters, it reveals the true criminal intentions of working with a, within the court system and not with the defendant. When they pretend to fan you and sell you out to the system, they were for shame on the legal system. LED uh, post. This is really important for uh, anyone, all defendants, to, to know this that ineffective assistance of counsel can be used as a reason for appeal, which he's on appeal in the appellate court now, and he's looking actually forward to thank Eric Pierce for standing his ground. Uh, so, on both cases, habeas corpus or 
appeal. You must ask for a stay of proceedings to avoid punishment. What appeal is being done? Uh, I think that uh, one of the things I might say is that uh, get hooked on court support. It's not just, Frank will tell you, the advocacy and the support. You connect with the right people that are there coming to help you the solution, to find the end provision, and free all our POWs. I want to thank everybody today for standing the ground and all those who talked today on the radio show. And uh, Donna would say, don't forget to breathe, and we'll see you next week. I'm ready to hear Willie. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Tom. And I want to thank uh, Noncompliant Mary for doing a great job screening. Thanks, Lisa Wildridge, our vice president, for making the live feed work. And thank you all the guests who came on and made this show amazing. And I want to wish you all uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Solstice, whatever the heck you celebrate. May this season be better for you than it is for those locked up and may we get those locked up out and let's end this once and for all we'll see you next week hi i'm willie nelson and the willie nelson teapot party and i endorse the human solution supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant little things i should have said and done you were always on my